Hi everyone and welcome to the Spencer Lodge podcast in partnership with the awesome Najahi events and Golf Business and Motivate Publishing. So we've got a bunch of sponsors there. Go check them out. And um, today's episode is with a really interesting young lady who left her parents, her community, turned her back on it completely when she decided that it wasn't for her. This one's quite a deep one. So tune in, get yourself a cup of tea, cue the music and let's enjoy this. So Emma, first of all, thank you so much for being on the Spencer Lodge podcast. It's fantastic to get you on the show. And I tell you what, I've probably got a million questions for you. Forgive me if I've asked a bunch of these questions, or I ask a bunch of these questions and, and you've heard them before, but we just want to know stuff. We'd like to learn about your story. And I think my audience here in the Middle East, plus in the UK, are fascinated by the whole word Amish really more than anything else and what it means and, and the kind of impact it has on people's lives. And I don't think there's anything that we ever see that's negative. It's just something that's very conservative, I would suppose, in our minds. So just by starting off, just tell me, give me a description of what the Amish people are like and uh, an understanding of a day in the life of being Amish. Well, thank you for having me on the show. And um, the Amish people are very secluded in like groups of, they call them communities. So each, most of the states in the US have Amish communities, but there's different levels. Like I come from a group called the Schwarzenberger group, which is the least modern. And then there's higher ups. And, but for me, the Schwarzenberger group, they could only go to church that was Schwarzenberger. They couldn't go to church that was a higher order, like the old order or the new order. And then, um, we also couldn't marry, intermarry between different orders. And for me growing up, I started at a very young age with um, babysitting my siblings because I have 13 siblings and I'm one of the oldest. So I had to help my mom a lot. I started washing dishes. I started milking cows. I was probably eight, nine years old when I started milking cows and it's all by hand <laughs> and feeding chickens and cooking, cleaning. And I also at a very young age started helping make an income. My family made baskets for an income. So I was the main person to make baskets and help you know teach the younger ones how to do them and then we take them to a roadside and sell them and yeah, so when you used to sell them did did you did you just sell them to people passing by on, on, on the road that was that was literally where you would sell you wouldn't go to a market or anything no we didn't go to markets we just sit at the corner of a gas station and people that were driving by traveling. Most of, most of the people that would stop were from out of state and they were on vacation or and they would stop and buy our stuff. We That's think how, most Amish people have been from Pennsylvania. Is that true? 
Most of them are, yes, but Ohio is almost as big as Pennsylvania, if not bigger. And how, was, big, how big is the Amish community then there in the United States in total, do you think? How many communities? Yeah, how big is the total population of Amish people? Oh, the total population. A couple of years ago, I heard that there was 250 to 300,000 Amish people. And why is it in crowded? Is that crowded in so much mystery and it's kind of... <laughs> In it, and it's, I'm sure Amish people are fantastic and they're fine and they're lovely and they're warm and they're friendly and everything else, but there seems to be such mystery around it. Why do you think that is? Well, they, they don't want anything to do with government. They don't want anything to do with anything that um, is considered worldly, like having electricity is too worldly. So they, they don't have electricity and they just, stick together and they live off the land. Some of them do, some of them don't. Some of them can't because it's getting harder to live off the land. But keeping all this um, worldly stuff and government out of their lives, I think is what keeps them a mystery. Um, they're just very, they claim they're, they're following the Bible and living like the biblical times. But when I was growing up, I never could understand their way of thinking. Like if they were following the Bible, then I mean, it didn't align. They were following, what I've learned is they're following um, a man that broke away from that became Amish like in the 1600s, 1800s, somewhere in there. They, a man formed an Amish group and that man, actually that man's name is Jacob Ammon. If anybody wants to look up the history of Jacob Ammon. But, um, so they follow the traditions that Jacob instilled way back in the 1800s. And then they, they kind of never evolved. Yeah, they, they don't give, they, they don't really involve, uh, evolve because they think that if they do, then they're, um, they're insulting the ancestors. But didn't everything from the Old Testament to the New Testament involve, uh, evolve? It's not about the Bible. They claim it is, but it's not. <laughs> okay, so why isn't it? Well, I, I, I don't know how to answer that. They, they want to keep their Amish people Amish. Like they don't like it at all if somebody leaves like I did. Because if, if they would truly teach from the Bible, so many people would leave the Amish. So they're hiding their religion through the Bible. They're following man-made rules and man-made traditions and claiming that it's, um, it's biblical. That way, if people think that it's biblical, they'll stay Amish. Yeah, makes sense.
Tell me something, tell me something that's great about being Amish. The food. <laughs> okay. And you then, when you were 18 years old, decided to leave. And obviously that's kind of very unusual. So as you were growing up, as you were going through your teenage years, and you were sat there thinking, this doesn't make necessarily the right amount of sense to me. It, it didn't seem logical to you. Or were you just questioning too many things? What was your kind of like your thought process? I was questioning everything. I, at a very young age, at 15 years old, I told one of my sisters that I was going to leave the Amish. I, I kind of thought I was choking when I said it to her, but I wasn't. And <laughs> she didn't think I was serious. And I didn't really, I, I had that desire to know more about the outside world. And I said it to her kind of like choking, but in, internally I was thinking, no, it's real. Like I, I am going to leave the Amish. And for me, it was just, I felt so alone. I had a whole bunch of family. I have over 300 cousins plus all my siblings, you know, so I shouldn't felt that alone, but I did. I felt like I didn't belong there. Like something was just missing. And I had questions about the way we lived life. Um, so the Amish are very strict with how women dress men as well but like women get punished a lot more or i don't i don't know if punish is the right word but they get judged a lot about how they dress so they have a very strict rule about how an amish woman is supposed to dress and supposed to look and to me the way the amish the women had to dress and the way the men got away was a little bit more Oh, whatever. It, it didn't make sense. Like it wasn't even. The women were suppressed and the men could kind of just get away with, you know, going down the street without a hat, but a woman was supposed to wear a bonnet to go down the street, just walking. Women couldn't ride horses. I love riding horses. And there's just so many things that women weren't allowed to do and the men were, and every time I questioned that, they would try to shut me up and just, you know, say, well, this is how we always done it. You're supposed to be ladylike. You're supposed to act like an Amish lady and this and this and this. And I just, I, I struggle with it. So yeah. tell, tell me about what happened then. You, you got to that point and you were like, no more? Was there a, like, a, like a definitive day when you went, I just can't live like this anymore. I need to see what's out there. Yeah, for, for three years, from age 15 to 18, during those years, I, I kept, I, I knew that I was going to leave, but I didn't know how. I didn't know how it's going to play out and it didn't matter how much I planned. I couldn't have known what was out there. 
until I actually left. So I gave up a few times. I was like, no, I'm not going to leave. This is too hard. It's too, it will be absolutely devastating to my family. I didn't tell them anything that I was, what I was going through because that was terrifying. They wouldn't have accepted it at all if I told them. So I, I tried to date a person, so that, an Amish man, so that I would decide to just stay at home, get married like all my other friends were that were my age, they were getting married, they were dating. So I thought, well, if I just date somebody, maybe I'll stay Amish. It'll help me be the woman that I'm supposed to be in Amish. That lasted two months until I was, I, I just couldn't take it anymore. So I broke it off with him. And when I broke it off with him, I just knew, okay, this is the first chance I have, I'm out of here. And it was six months after that when I finally got the break that I needed to escape without being seen. And that, so tell, tell me how the escape happened. Well, my parents left town. They went with, they got on their horse and buggy and they left and I knew it would take them all day because of, you know, it's slow to travel with horse and buggy and they were going quite a distance. So I was hiding his cell phone. It was a track phone. I didn't use it at all because I didn't want the battery to die in case I get to leave. So when that day came, I, I made a phone call to, uh, I had a phone number that was given to me by people that would come to our farm. They told me that once you're ready to leave, call this number and somebody will help you. They didn't tell me who, they didn't even know who it was. They just knew that they needed to make sure that I was taken care of. So I called that number and the lady answered and I said, I'm ready to leave the Amish. And she said, okay, where can I pick you up? And I told her where and what time. So after that phone call, I wrote a little note for my parents and put it on the living room table. And I, I took off my cap. So the Amish women wear a cap and then a bonnet on top. So I took off the cap and put on a scarf, but I had my dress that I was wearing and like $50 in my pocket. And I snuck out the door and where I tried to make sure that none of my siblings see me go. I ran through a field, jumped through a fence and got out on a road where I was clearly out of sight from anyone. And, and I, I walked four miles from there. Um, it, this was January 10th. So in the, in the U S it's cold. January is pretty cold. This was in Missouri. So Missouri is pretty cold in January, but there was no snow at the time. So it was just cold. And, um, I walked four miles and when I got there, it was a little, a tiny bank in a small town. 
I stood outside the bank and waited for the lady to come pick me up. And where did she take you? She took me to her house about two hours away. And um, one other thing that I would like to say is while I was walking, my, my, one of my brothers saw the note on the table and he realized what's happening. So he jumped on his horse and he came riding up after me, begging me to come back home. Like the look on his face was like, you can't do this. This is, this is terrible. Like he looked legitly like he saw a ghost. He was so scared to see me walking away. And it broke my heart. I mean, I, I wanted to reassure him that I'm going to be fine. But I didn't know. I didn't know what, what I was. I, I just knew that I'm leaving. I didn't, I didn't know what I was getting into. So, I mean, it was, it was hard to see him that desperate to get me back home. And just seeing how scared he looked. But he finally turned around, went back home, and I kept on walking. And, so, then, and then you stood at the bank, and this lady, where was this lady from? What was her background? So her background was that she had left the Amish 30 years prior to me. So she, <laughs> she was already out at Amish a long time. She had a husband and two kids, uh, three kids. And um, I stayed with her for two weeks. And during those two weeks, I didn't let anybody know where I was at because my dad was going everywhere, accusing people of kidnapping me. And he was going crazy. I mean, I, I can understand that that it drove him crazy and because he probably had no idea that I wanted to leave the Amish and that that was scary for my parents to see one of their kids leave and it's it's not just that that I hurt them it's also the the whole community like the bishop of that community and the people in the church, like they, they kind of look down on my parents because they have now a child that left. So they put pressure on my parents, um, accusing them of not raising me well, or that they should have done something to keep me at home, or you know, just putting that pressure on my parents where they should have done something. This was. This was January 2006? Yes. 14 years ago. Have you seen your parents since? Yes, I have. And what's that like when you see them? Sometimes I break out in hives. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I just, I used to get a rash under my chin. I, I mean, my neck, I mean, I was just, it was so stressful to see them. Um, my mom has never really given me that much of a hard time. Um, she talks to me more when I'm, I'm with her by myself. But if my dad is there, she, she hardly says a word. 
but my dad used to just yell and scream at me every time I went home. So when was the last time you went home? I went, I saw my siblings here. I did a conference in their community. Um, so I did visit my siblings, but I did not visit my parents. It's been about five years since I've seen my parents. Do you miss your family? Yeah, I do. I do. So um, you, you, you wrote a book about this called Runaway Amish Girl, yeah? My Great Escape. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and how long ago did you write the book? I, it got published in 2014. Okay. And I wrote it starting in maybe 2012. I was in college and in my spare time, I, I would write stories and kind of my experience of what I was going through when I was still Amish and the process of figuring out how to leave and all the emotional stuff that, that was weighing on me. And I also put in a, a few stories of what I did when I was an Amish kid. I wasn't always, I wasn't perfect by no means. Um, so I put some stories in there. So t tell me, tell me about what it was like. What were the exciting things about this new beginning in your life? And what were the things that scared you? There are probably more scary things than exciting at first. The exciting part was, um, being able to drive a car and you know the first thing i did was go buy a big radio when they were still popular i bought one from walmart um because in the amish we couldn't have a radio at all not even the small battery operated i tried to i had a few of them when i was still amish and i always got caught with it and my dad would smash them and so I made sure I got a radio when I left Amish and nowadays that's, that's like, it's not that important anymore because you can listen to Spotify and Pandora and all that. But um, then driving, driving a vehicle, I mean, no more horse and buggy. <laughs> <laughs> I must say, though, dri driving a vehicle, I was always wondering, how do people know which is gas and brake? I was afraid I would always hit the brake when I was supposed to hit the gas and, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so you took driving lessons and got yourself a driving license. That must have been fun. And then, yes. and so getting a radio meant you could listen to music. Yes. I what, love kind music. Of, what kind of music did you get into at the time? At that time, I was very much into country music. Really? Yeah, but nowadays, I don't listen much to country anymore. I like, I like pop. Um, I like some rap. And yeah. So what made you go to Texas? Well, it kind of just fell in my lap. The, after the two weeks in Missouri was the lady that picked me up. She had friends in Texas and they 
thought that it would be a good idea for me to go stay with them for a while until things settle down. And um, so that's what I did. I went, I went to Texas. It was by South Padre Island, right on the, you know, way down south of Texas, the tip of Texas. I went there and, you know, I didn't know if I'm going to stay, but it was a good getaway from all the drama that was happening in the Amish community. And so I got my, I had to get my uh, birth certificate. I didn't have one, so I had to figure out how to get that. And then from there, I got my social security number. I got my, then I then I got my so uh, GED like the high school di- diploma because uh, as an Amish I only had an eighth grade education but that eighth grade was very limited there was no history no geography no science nothing so I had a lot of catching up to do but within a year after leaving I got into college and. College was probably the most scary, difficult thing to begin with because I knew so little. And being around all these people and feel, I felt a culture shock for sure. I felt like I didn't belong. You felt like you didn't fit in, you know? You felt like you you couldn't settle there. Yeah, and, and I still was, trying to overcome all of the emotional um i wasn't very emotionally developed because of how i grew up i don't know if that's the right term but yeah i get it i, I, get felt, it. I felt like i had no social skills i had no like if i had feelings i didn't know how to express it like everything was so hidden in me and I didn't know how to, how to express myself. So, um, trying to overcome that and, and I, for some reason I, I had this, um, vision every time I would be out in public, I felt like I was still dressed Amish with my Amish dress. And I felt like people were looking at me being like, oh, she's Amish. Because I hated it when I was still Amish. I hated when people looked at me. And there were there were times where um, people would stare at me and then whisper to each other. And I, I didn't like that. I felt like they were making fun of me. So after, after I left for a couple of years there, I still felt that. Even though I wasn't just Amish when I was out in public, I was wearing modern clothes. It, it's just that mental, that mental vision that I had where, yeah. I, where I thought people were still viewing me as an Amish person. So I had to work on myself to overcome that. So did you get an MBA? Yes, I did. I mean, come on, you get educated the way you do as Amish and then you go and turbocharge your education afterwards and, uh, and study and become a, an academic hero. <laughs> uh, I, I, getting a master's degree was a goal of mine. 
and I, I can't express to you enough how difficult it was, but it was also the most liberating to, to accomplish that. And once I had accomplished that and I graduated, the adrenaline started crashing for me. I was like, oh my goodness, what do I do now? Like I need something else in my life. Yeah. And you know, the thought of continuing, continuing my education had crossed my mind, but I was like, no, master's degree, I'm, I'm done, I'm done for now. And um, so I- You pursued a career. What's that? You pursued a career. Yes, I, I do work for a big hospital in the Dallas area. I work do? in the business department and with that, I can work from home. Who wouldn't want that? <laughs> <laughs> that was dependent, isn't it? But when you think about your life now compared to your life back then, and you think how you've adjusted, do, do you think that looking back, you made the right decision? Oh, absolutely. I made the right decision. I mean, I've never wanted to go back. I've always, I've, I've had moments of where I would try and tell myself or visualize what it would be like if I went back, would my family be happier? Why would I want to make my family happier when I'm not happy? And they, they have accused me of being selfish because they didn't think that it's right for me to want to be happy, but not them. Mm -hmm. And that's not been the case for me. I want them to be happy, but I also need to take care of me. So I've never wanted to go back home. I mean, of course I want to visit, but I don't want to live like that. And I couldn't imagine being Amish now. Tell, me about, Tell me about your grandfather. My grandfather? You found out some stuff about him, yeah? Yeah, after I left the Amish, some very shocking information. I mean, I discovered this through the internet of all places, <laughs> but I confirmed it with um, my, uh, my, my aunts who had, there's three, three of my aunts that left the Amish way before I did. And I didn't know that they, for the longest time, I didn't know that they, even existed because my dad would never talk about them. They're my dad's sisters. But I confirm that my grandfather was very abusive to his daughters and um, he, there was incest involved. I mean, it's pretty disgusting. And no, yeah, the law never did anything about it because he was Amish, he got away with it. Why? Does, does the law have nothing to, to do with Amish people above the law? Basically, they think they are. They think that um, if something, something like that happens, the, the person that did it, if that person confesses the sin in the church, then all, all is forgiven and forgotten. But what if the police find out? I don't know, let's say there's something extreme like a murder. Did the police not get involved? Back then they didn't. Um, just this year though, the police 
and the law has gotten more involved in in sexual abuse cases in the Amish community. Yeah. So it has gotten better to where the law enforcement they do something now versus just just agreeing to the Amish plea to stay out of it. We we handle it, you know. We 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 can't understand any of this from the part of the world that I'm from. It's just it's another world and. It's really interesting hearing you tell the story. You, now you set a foundation up, haven't you? Yes, I started a foundation called uh, Be Present. And my main focus on it is anxiety and depression because that's what I suffered from for a long time after I left the Amish. I'm pretty sure I suffered from when I was a child because there's a lot of stuff that I had to deal with from my childhood after I left the Amish. So, um, and I, since I left and wrote my book and Amish people have read my book and some of them have left and they'll, they'll reach out to me and tell me how much my story inspired them. And they'll tell me some of the things that they've been through, uh, which includes anxiety and a whole bunch of other abuses. So I decided that it would be a good idea for me to start that that uh, foundation and try to help other people, encourage other people to, I mean, if they don't want to leave the Amish, then that's fine. But I want them to know that mental health is something that needs to be talked about and they need if they need help they need to be able to ask for it yeah that's the nine times out of ten though that's the biggest problem with mental health isn't it is to ask for it it's uh you live in you live in your own world you live with your own essentially your own demons inside your own head and yeah. what you do need is somebody to help you somebody to talk to you but a lot of the time we when we're in that type of mindset we don't reach out for anybody because no either nobody would understand us or we don't want to bother anybody with our own problems or there's always somebody who's got a worse situation or it's just better kept inside my head and so the reason i talk about it like that is that i've been there uh, mm. i've been on that journey so i i, I know how that feels yeah I'm, I'm really glad that you set a foundation up to help people with this because i think that not only is it important period but it's been emphasized whilst people have had to go into a lockdown state and what you just said was quite interesting you know who would who, who wouldn't want to work from home yet for me working from home is the worst thing you could ever do because i need people i need audience i need to interact with humans and whilst zoom was okay and you know microsoft teams was okay for a few weeks um really the the interaction with human beings to hug someone to high five to say hi to just ask how their day's going you know something i learned living here where i live i live on the beach here in dubai and i we've always kept ourselves to ourselves my wife and i we don't really talk to our neighbors that often um maybe the odd hello how are you but then when lockdown came because we didn't have other people to interact with we became friendly with our neighbors and that was a, a you know a blessing that came from this but I really do believe that anxiety and depression play a much bigger role in people's lives than a lot of people will admit. 
Um, oh, and yeah. Some people might overreact to having a down day and say that's anxiety or depression and it gets kind of brushed under the carpet, which it shouldn't. But I think a lot of people feel loneliness. A lot of people feel distance. A lot of people feel lost and don't know where their future's heading, don't know what their life's going to be like, don't know how they're going to get through the next week, let alone the next six weeks. And so anyone doing any work of this type to me is, as far as I'm concerned, fabulous. And I wholeheartedly support it and, um, and champion the fact that you're doing that. What's the name of the foundation? Be present, which means uh, be in the moment. It's so hard to do because you and I can be talking, but your mind might be somewhere else. So be present means be exactly where you are instead of worrying about other things in your head. So I think it's fabulous. Can I, can I say a big, big thank you for coming to share some of your story with us here in Dubai on this show? I know that I'm going to get a lot of people messaging me now and a lot of people asking questions on the back of this. And uh, if you don't mind, the people that do ask questions, maybe I'll redirect them to you and maybe you can answer them directly. Yeah. Send them my way. <laughs> um, <laughs> My Amy. book is available on Amazon. Just wanted to throw that out there. We, we, we can get it on Amazon. How can, how can people follow you? What social media channels can they follow you on? Instagram and Facebook. Facebook is my personal, but that's fine. And Instagram is my book page called Runaway Amish Girl. So what's your Instagram handle? Run, Runaway Amish Girl. That's your Instagram handle? Yes. Runaway Amish Girl. Okay, I'll make sure everyone gets that. And your Facebook page is in Emma Gingrich, yeah? Yes. Okay, um, good. Well, I, I will make sure everybody listening to this, guys, so, so those of you that are listening, for those of you that are watching, okay, do me a favor, make sure you go give her a follow, okay, get engaged and, uh, and start a conversation because she's been through some really challenging experiences and stuff as far as I'm concerned. It's worthy of learning even more about, you know, we've got an hour or so we can only get what we could get, but... Um, there's so much more to learn. She's been such an incredibly brave soul and to embrace what she's embraced and then gone forward and almost dominated from an educational point of view, go and take on this world that we all assume just to be normal, which isn't normal to some others and just embrace it and really make it her own. It's been a fantastic thing. So as I said, go check her out. She's on all socials, but for now, Emma, I cannot thank you enough. You're an absolute blessing to talk to. You're a real sweetie. So thank you very much for your time thank today. Thank you. I really appreciate you having me on. Thank you so much. Thank you.